Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs, and this is the H and J Daily. We bring you some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Uh, we were joined by the actor, you know him from Ghosts and Detectorists. He's also a writer of the Panic the Movies. He has a new film out. It's called Simon Farnaby. It's called The Phantom of the Open, starring Mike Ry- Mark Rylance, and it's about Morris Flickcroft, the world's worst golf. Mike Rylance. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Rylance is in it. He has a very small role. He's the bloke who goes, quiet please, yeah, in the on, white boiler suit. He's brilliant in it. Um, uh, that's, yeah, we, had, we had a chat, didn't we? We did, we had a few chats. Sam Avery came on. He was on Evertonian ahead of tonight's game, but you may be listening to this knowing the result, but uh, certainly when he said it, he was a concerned boy as an Evertonian ahead of the game at Turf Moor tonight. So yeah, we had a chat. Here it all is. Five minutes past one. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. And, uh, yeah, I, we watched different games last night. Yeah. I watched the City game. I thought it was pretty exciting. Of course, you know... Exciting? Well, well I mean, in its own exciting way. Exciting in its if, own way. If you, you know. like one team in bibs and the other team in <laughs> yeah, shirts. attack versus defence. Well, I don't know why people are surprised. That's the no, way no, Atletico play. That's yeah, yeah. what they do. Hmm. And they messed up two brilliant chances on the transition, yeah. which is exactly what their game plan was. Uh, one, they had a shot that was pretty futile and the other yeah. one Griezmann was foul but he put it out into play and that was it and I mean, that some was all they did in the whole match I mean I had Simon talking about it earlier on you know why if they go toe to toe with City they'll get beaten exactly if you do that to City they will beat you they no, got better it could have worked the them. game plan could have worked yeah. at, uh, I didn't realise though Raheem Sterling he's so strong for a small man I mm. thought is that like good feet for a big man yes yeah, <laughs> strong for a small man except when he got a bit of a shoulder barge in the box at <laughs> oh, one yeah, point well, but uh, the ref except when he's in the box the yeah, ref wasn't true. having that one but he held off much bigger than him yeah yeah um, but I'm noticing he's doing an advert for a razor blade, well-known razor blade company, mm. and he does this yeah. thing where he, he goes from the sort of his sideboard right the way down, right the way. If I did that, I cut myself to ribbons. Yeah. <laughs> Not stroke. with that fine razor. I <laughs> Not think with that find... particular one. Well, with any one, yeah. to be really honest. <laughs> okay, you still using the old cutthroat, are you? <laughs> and Martin Kieran, who's on quite good form last night, yeah. he managed to call Bernardo Silva the fake nine. Fake number nine. That's what Donald Trump calls it. Yeah. <laughs> it's false. But yeah, Liverpool mind. was um, <laughs> intriguing because, obviously, they mm. went there. You're thinking at 2-0, I might turn over, this is all over. Mm-hmm. Then um, they score, mm. and it becomes, they got a bit nervy, Liverpool. And obviously, you know, the Diaz goal settled the nerves. Yeah. But it was, um, it was, yeah, it was interesting. I did watch a bit of it. I noticed the Benfica goalie was called Vlacodemus. I don't know if he's got any pliers. Yes. <laughs> of course he has. Funny enough, we were talking about those. Charlie Baker sent me a text because he suggested, uh, he wondered whether Chakademus and pliers would be at the Qatar World Cup draw. I said Chakademus would be there, but not pliers. Pliers couldn't make pliers it. Pliers couldn't so, make yeah, it. Yeah. And uh, during half 
time I turned over and saw a very interesting programme on the 100 draft. Which yeah. I think the 100 was a massive success. I, like, I quite like the 100 bottled myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, prefer, I prefer that. Well, I like yes. it all. Yeah, yeah. And I see that Emily Arlott had re-signed for Birmingham Phoenix. So I rang her up to see, ask yeah. her if she was pleased. She said, I'm absolutely delighted. <laughs> couldn't be happier. I mean, she what is she? She's, she's about 20 something, isn't she? Would be too much, wouldn't it? Emily, fantastic. 50 runs today. A win for your team. How are you feeling? I feel absolutely <laughs> amazing. There's no way she's going to speak like her no granddad, is it? Not really. Not, not, I think not a, not a chance in the she world. Granddad, is it? Is it, it, is it sort of great granddad or, or is it not? Some sort of distant yeah. relative. Yeah. 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 John Arlott, yeah. of course, we're giving you uh, the, the voice the voice of cricket for many years, <laughs> kids. Yeah. Oh, that's true. And uh, she is related is. to one of the greatest cricket commentators of all time. So, And he spoke like that. That was his approach. Um, anyway, yeah. uh, that, that's why we're doing that. Uh, very much, I've got a whole selection of... In the Midlands. <laughs> that's true. I've got a yeah. whole selection of <laughs> stupid texts today, which I'll yeah. spread out over the show. But mm-hmm. this one I really love. Yeah. From Lynn in Andover, she wrote to the Daily Star. She said, I love the boat race. It reminds me of my childhood. My family was Oxford. My auntie Cambridge. She bet a box of biscuits. <laughs> I know. She bet a box of biscuits one year, and we won biscuits. Who cares? Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> really. <laughs> well, Honestly. talking of food, Andy, yeah. let's get the listeners involved today. Um, it's, oh, of yes. course, the tradition that the reigning champion of the Masters lays on the champion's dinner. Oh, this and, one sounded uh, good. And it was Hideki Matsuyama. Yeah, well, it would have been great to have been at this one, wouldn't mm. it? It'd been fantastic. Do you if, you like, had? if you like Japanese food, okay. uh, it's a corker. Yeah, go and talk us through. Uh, Deki, what he put up? Uh, started with uh, assorted sushi, sashimi, and nigiri. Mm. Yakit- it, you see the pictures; it looked very oh, nice. Fabulous. It did look very nice. Yakitori chicken skewers. Yeah. Uh, followed by the miso glazed black cod with dashi broth. Yeah. <laughs> the Miyazaki wagyu. Miyazaki, uh, yeah, Miyazaki wagyu. I've had a five each way on him. <laughs> He's a great player. For the Masters. It was an A5 Wagyu beef ribeye with mixed mushrooms and vegetables. Sashu daikon ponzu sauce. Oh, yeah. And a Japanese strawberry shortcake. Japanese cakes are, are really fabulous. They're always very light. That oh, was, yeah. Uh, that sounded great. Uh, I was reading, though, about... Uh, did you know that... <laughs> you wouldn't have known this, because uh, Salt Bay told me this, that 70% of Wagyu beef uh, in America is consumed by him and his restaurants. It's quite a right. staggering thing. I've got people who know about Wagyu beef. Emily Arlett news, before we carry oh, on, really? because the reason we brought this up, we'll bring you in a moment, but Emily mm. apparently said this last year, we've got a couple of books <laughs> at home and we're well aware of him. We've just never looked into the family tie. Well, I think you should, Emily, <laughs> because should. it would be amazing. I'm, we're guessing you don't talk like that, but it would be great if you did. Um, fantastic. Uh, the Come on, girls, let's go. Um, it'd be it'd come before the game. It'd get really inspire you, wouldn't it? It would. It'd be brilliant. Anyway, it's a Emily, great look, idea. look into it because the man's an absolute <laughs> legend. Well, he is. Really. So, um, right, we move on because the, the good people at the talksport.com have, uh, have put together a little piece. If you want to go and check it out, it, it kind of gives you a history of Masters dinners. Yes. Um, we're using the Matsuyama one as a, as a sounding board. I was thinking, though, and this was done mm. to an extent by Nick Faldo and maybe uh, Danny mm. Willett, because when Brits win it, they, they go for a kind of English menu. Yeah, sure. And uh, Nick Faldo, and I think this is a great idea, if mm. you've got all the players, in the, all the people there that could maybe knock you off your perch, potentially, mm. and you serve up a big old roast dinner 
and maybe that's a good idea roly poly pudding and custard for afters <laughs> and a soup with great big wadges of bread I think that's what Nick did <laughs> then everybody's got oh blimey everybody's on the Rennies the following day they go out the following day they don't sleep much because they've had a massive dinner yeah but then Nick would have had the dinner as well, well. no he would have just picked at it wouldn't he <laughs> I see. he would have just picked at it Sandy Lyle he went he, he obviously he went route one he went um, Haggis Haggis Neeps and Tatty see that's a great idea that's yeah, another that's a thing really good one, yeah. so if you were choosing a champion's dinner yeah um, because we've seen that we've seen like burgers and fries, and we had a we had a bride, didn't we? When Charles Fawlter yeah. won it all those years ago, he he he, he cooked up the dinner. He, yeah. he took to the barbecue. Um, so anyway, if, I'm I'm going for uh, it's a little bit ethnic chicken soup, salt beef, and lochsham pudding. Oh right, okay, that's <laughs> nice. That's your one, is it? If I won the Masters, I'm going to go for suet pudding. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Um, a big old hefty suet pudding. <laughs> heavy, yeah. I must have a what's a good heavy starter? What would be a good heavy starter? Wait, Ooh. Heavy starter. It's quite hard to have a heavy starter. Well, you can have a heavy starter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll leave it to you, listeners. Yeah. So, if you're choosing the champions' dinner, um, what are you going with? And maybe a French onion soup's quite a heavy. Starter. That could be quite heavy. Yeah, it repeats mm. on you. So we'll start with that. <laughs> then we got the suet pudding with it was spud and load of uh, yeah. load of veggies. And then the a suet, lot of gravy, sweet suet and then pudding. there's a sweet suet pudding. So, oh, <laughs> blimey, you get no sleep. You've been lying the old stomach going for about four <laughs> hours. Ideal, really. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. The Champions Dinner. We were uh, we ran through Andy ran through the menu for uh, Hideki Matsuyama, the reigning champion. That uh, all the guys uh, sat down and, and ate last night at the banquet, and very nice it was too. But uh, you know, maybe you could use it tactically. Some of the talk sport listeners are certainly doing that. 
um, including Simon, the Arsenal fan. I'd serve a basic salad if I won the Masters, so every, leave everyone hungry so they'd have to have a dodgy kebab on the way home, <laughs> putting them in a bad place for the next day. I mean, how many, good, good how many kebab houses are there in Augusta? I don't know. You'll probably find one. Um, Matt says, what about a classic school dinner? I'd have the turkey dinosaurs, potato smileys and beans, and the rice pudding and jam. That's a nice idea. And uh, Bearded Vessi says... Cheesy garlic, pint of lager to cleanse the palate, wig and kebab and chips, sticky toffee pudding with custard <laughs> yeah. to finish. All going yeah. with the same yeah. way you down yeah. route. So, okay, <laughs> think outside the box. Give us a few more of these this afternoon. If you're planning the champion's dinner, what are you going to inflict on golf's great and good? Uh, let us know. Talksport.com forward slash agent J. Text to 81089 or tweet to T.S. Agent J. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Andy, that story today about uh, the Diego Maradona shirt, we'll probably touch on mm. it with uh, with Tim Vickery, the Hand of God shirt. There's stories today that Sotheby's suggesting it could be sold for as much as £4 million. It's owned by the former England midfielder, Steve Hodge, who swapped it with Maradona on that day, but the best movie ever made in his life. Yes, absolutely. Um, well done, Steve. But I, I remember chatting to Steve when we mm. did the Phoenix from the Flames in uh, the Terry Butcher Phoenix he was in when we were at Hendon Football yeah. Club having a cup of tea with him and talking about the shirt. And I seem to think at that time, I seem to recall that he said he'd had an offer of 150000 for it, but he, he wasn't willing to part with it. And you think, Wise man. Yeah. I mean, you know, that is worth significantly more. It's and of all, course, you know, posthumously as well. Uh, yes, that, that's had a bearing on the value. True. Yeah, yeah. yeah interesting Not Steve, thing. obviously, Diego Maradona. <laughs> no, yes, yeah. frighteningly. When we were at the National Football Museum one time, we were going around and they, they got one of those Argentinian shirts, not his shirt, hmm. but from that period, from that World Cup. And it was that that shirt they had to they had to go out, didn't they, and buy them from yeah. a local shop. That's and, right. And it is a cock sportive sort of bought shirt with an Argentinian badge plonked on it. That's so. right. Yeah. So that's all part of the story. But anyway, we hope to bring you a little bit more on that. We will run it past Tim Vickery, our South American correspondent. We're talking about yoga as a sport, competitive yoga. I had no idea until I'd saw some pictures in the papers from a, an event in India where they are where yoga sana has been formally declared a competitive sport. We'll be speaking to someone from this country. So Andy got a bit puntastic there, and he was looking for yoga-based footballers. So downward-facing Drogba. Do we we get that from Jason in Christchurch? (laughs) Yoga Matt Murray, says Billy. That's pretty good. Ruben Lotus-Cheek. That's good, Martin. I like that. You're on fire, you lot, yeah. Uh, Michael (laughs) Chakra. um, That's uh, Sean in Salford. (laughs) Um, Have we got anything else? Keep them coming. Talksport.com. Text 81089. Tweet uh, uh, back Archie Gemmell. Mm. Yeah, Martin. Yeah, he's, he's gone. Not quite as good, Martin, as your as Ruben good. Lotus cheek. But no. thank you very much. Keep them coming. Talksport.com, text 81089. Tweet TS We were looking up, uh, we were talking about glue earlier in the show. Yeah. And I did look this up, and there are two <laughs> we people. We have some great conversations. You've did. missed, I'll tell you, you've missed some gold. <laughs> we had a chat about glue earlier on. There was a reason for yeah. it, yeah. Uh, there is. There are two people, and this, these are genuine names. They're on Facebook and LinkedIn. Harold Dite, Harold Dite, Harold Dite, and yeah. Superglue, Superglue. There is a somebody called. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, isn't it? That's what he does in the ad breaks. <laughs> 
great, isn't it? People say, what are you doing in the ad breaks? I mean, you could just kick back, but you're putting the hours in, Andy. I think that that is very, very impressive. Did you see Justin Bieber? I don't know if you and Charlie talked about it. The suit he was wearing for the Grammys. Yeah, it's basically... Honestly. I mean, the big comparison, the end of big, those comparisons have been made, of course, when when Tom Hanks reverts reverts back to the boy. Okay. Yeah, there is that. I mean, a lot of people... But it struck me that if you're a Sunday morning team and you've got a cup final coming up mm. and all the boys get suits on don't yeah. they often hire a coach mm. uh, for that mm. so if that's the case might be a good way to turn up but go, <laughs> go and get your, go and get an old suit that's about three sizes too big and be, all turn up like Justin Bieber I'm fascinated by famous people that nobody said to him Oi, Justin, you look absolutely ridiculous. You look like you're wearing a suit that belongs to Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> honestly <laughs> is it, it's nobody like, could have said to him you look good in that no media. Yeah. I mean do you think somebody who would would you have said it, Andy? If you I were would, there, if you were on the red, if you were at the Grammys, would I you have said? Would. Look at the state of you. <laughs> well, you I, might right, not, I might not have said it in that insulting way, but I would have said to him, yeah. "You know what, Justin? That doesn't you, look great, mate. You look ridiculous, you, mate. You look would you have stupid. said that? I, I mean, think I might really. Okay." <laughs> And uh, uh, some picture of Engelbert Humperdinck getting an MBE. Did you see that? He's, I did see that. He's yeah. eighty-five now. Yeah. He's got what you would describe as unfeasibly dark hair. Really? Please release me from Grisham two thousand. <laughs> Big Leicester City fan, of course. But well, he is back to sport. He we looks should, tremendous. You've we should say. congratulate uh, our old mate Michael Volpe, Chelsea yeah. fan. Yeah. Uh, 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 opera. Oh, yeah, delighted for me on the uh, Chelsea website. Opera in Rosario, <laughs> um, and uh, he got a OBE, didn't he? Yeah, Mike? OBE. Yeah. Well done. He's, yeah. he's made some fine films um, mm. and uh, around the subject of opera and, and football a couple of times. Yeah, but I think I think the thing is that he's such a sort of uh, promoter of opera for all. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why. He that's right, made it, it accessible. Yeah. Um, we don't want any Don Giovanni Van Bronckhurst. We're not going down that route. We've got enough with yoga. <laughs> yeah. Adam Lasana says uh, yeah. Andy Garner. That's nice. That rhymes. Uh, Tantric and Don Belly. Says Sam in Sheffield. <laughs> They're quite good, some of these. That's good. Uh, keep them coming. Talksport.com. Mm. Text 1889. Tweet uh, TSH&J. We'll be chatting to James Tenconi from uh, UK Yoga later on. I'm sure he'll be delighted with turning his life's work into puns. But uh, maybe we won't run them past him. Uh, anything else, Andy? Yes. Uh, somebody, Anne, Anne of Keithley. That's not my name. Anne, Anne of Cleves. <laughs> Anne in Keithley uh, yeah, okay. wrote to the Daily Star. <laughs> You're going to now speak to all the listeners. <laughs> Anne of Cleveland, like you're some sort of Shakespearean actor. That'd be great, be, wouldn't yeah, it? Would yeah. Be, me, I'd be terrible. I'm the worst actor in the world. I know you are. You're, terry, you're a terrible driver. You're a terrible actor. You're a I'm, terrible singer. I'm not singer. a great radio presenter, to be really honest. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got a lot going down. Now, what can you do? It's just a list I've of made, things. I've but, you know, Andy, you do, have, you do have other skills. <laughs> I don't know what they are. Just haven't pinpointed them yet. <laughs> no. There's still time. There's still time, Andy. Anne writes, Would someone please tell Ian Wright there is no F in think? Would someone please tell Anne not to be such a snob? Yeah. Really? I've not noticed that about writing. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, is that it? You got, you got that off your chest? Uh, yes, I probably had. I really. told you I Dominic Solanke went to Disneyland, didn't that I? Was nice, I yeah. we, we did that. Uh, <laughs> we did, I think really. we've kind of covered that one. Yeah. Um, I thought this was an April Fool, this story in the sun this morning. Mushrooms can talk to each other and have a vocabulary up to 50 words. Really? Say boffins. Yeah, apparently. Okay. What do they talk about? <laughs> I don't know. But really, I've no idea what they talk about. Not being picked, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, so different from football, isn't it? Happy not to be picked. Yeah. Very true. 
well brought back to sport. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I yeah, should yeah. say a lovely piece by our old mate Dave Kidd yeah. in the uh, Sun this morning. His match report of the Millwall game last night basically was a report about Jigo, yes, Jiggins. It was a lovely piece. Well done, Dave. It was. It was. Yeah, they they opened the, the our, our old friend, the late great Paul Jiggins, opened mm. the suite at, at Millwall, the media suite. Yeah, it's a nice with touch. His wife and, and daughter are present and the official unveiling. Mm. And I'm sure Jigo would have seen the uh, the joy of uh, Millwall getting beat at home on that night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had to spoil it, didn't anyway, they? Anyway, yeah, lovely, but a lovely touch by lovely touch by Millwall to do mm. that. They've been brilliant throughout, I think, uh, since we had the sad news. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There is a new golf-related film out at the moment. Golf as a sport has, has thrown up some some uh, great films, actually. Mm. Colt Vanishak. Uh, yeah, uh, Happy Gilmore, mm. Tin Cup. Etc. Added to the uh, mix is the Phantom of the Open, and uh, it tells the story the world's worst golfer, Morris Flitcroft, and it's true. Um, yeah. uh, we're going to give you a flavour of the film now before we speak to the writer Simon Farnaby. Are you going to try again, Morris? An Open Championship should be open to everyone. I want them bowed from every club in the country. <laughs> what about if you to enter someone else? Bonjour. From Paris, France, Gerard Hoppe. He's a Nazi dresser. I'll give him that. Merci beaucoup. Whatever happens, no one can say you didn't try. What a great opening drive. Have they got the real Morris Flitcroft? Yes, uh, so yeah. there we are, and it's as we said, it's an amazing story. And, and it looks. I saw the trail yesterday in the cinema. It looks really good. Yeah, uh, Simon Farnaby, you'll know him as an actor from uh, Ghosts and Detectorists and other fine work uh, as a writer on the Paddington movies and on uh, Phantom of the Open. Good afternoon, Simon. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks for um, having me on the show. Great pleasure. Um, it's uh, you are a golf fan, aren't you? You've kind of come at it from that. Have you got a bit of a, a sort of golf connection in in the family? Yeah, my dad was a greenkeeper at um, Ganton Golf Club in Scarborough. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually started out collecting golf balls and selling them to the members. And then the green staff said, well, if you're going to be here, you may as well work for us. <laughs> and so I, uh, and then he, he grew grass and he was, so he became a turf farmer. And, and, and then, so I was, I grew up around golf and grass and he supplied to golf clubs. So, um, and I nearly turned pro, actually. I, I played oh. off four when I was 15, and, and I thought I was going to be a pro, but I wasn't quite good enough. And unlike Morris, I, I, I sort of knew it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is a great story, as we said, yeah. because, because it's uh, essentially true, isn't it? This story of, of this man that sort of took on the sort of golf hierarchy and insisted the word open was just that. Yeah, exactly. Well, he... It's strange. People ask, you know, was he mad or? But he, he really didn't know any better. He was a he was a crane driver from Barrow in Furness, and if you visit Barrow, certainly in the seventies, it was all about the shipyard, and and especially if you were male and you you know, you didn't have great qualifications, you ended up in the shipyard, and that was that. And and Morris always dreamed of doing something else, and he he he. The story is he got a color TV, saw golf for the very first time. And went, wow, that looks great. Green grass, nice jumpers. And thought he'd have a go, got some clubs from a catalogue and played on the beach and thought he was good enough. You know, he 
from his point of view, his shots look great, which they can if you've got nothing to compare them to. <laughs> it's got a great <laughs> cast as well, isn't it? Mark Rylance, Sally Hawkins, Reese Ifans, amongst many. So uh, they obviously were attracted to the project. Yeah, well, well, Mark, um, you know, we couldn't believe we got Mark because, you know, he, he only really worked works for steven spielberg and spielberg <laughs> the best actor in the world and then but mark loved the story and he, he his first question was you know is it true and i said well yeah um and um he went up to barrow to meet morris's son is still alive so so morris basically instilled this philosophy you can do what what you want in life um even if you're rubbish at it but he instilled that in his sons who actually did become world disco dancing champions in the 80s and, and one of the sons is still alive James in Barrow and Mark went to visit him and James, you know, told him this was all true and had lots of little bits of evidence. And because it's not a story that many people know, you know, mm. it's quite a niche story, but Mark just said, I'm doing it. I'm in. And um, he's, he's amazing in the, in the film and very funny. Not many people have seen Mark be this funny, but he's a very naturally, he's a natural sort of clown which suited the role very well. Yeah. It's a good time of the year for it to come out as well. Yeah. Either I mean, that or the open, the masters or the open, but this will do, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? The, the, as you say about the, the cast that you've put together, it is, it's fantastic. And, uh, Sally Hawkins is, is great in the film as, uh, as Morris's wife. Yeah. She, she's, I know her really well from the Paddington films and Sally give, gives a great warmth and, and, um, really is what is is a pivotal sort of player in the whole thing because she supported Morris through through thick and thin you know she had um you know she she'd had had sort of marital troubles and, and in the 50s you were a disgrace if you were divorced and had kids and and you know and stuff like that so and Morris didn't care about any of that so so from then on all you know she supported him the whole way and and that's really the sort of the, it's not really about golf or well, golf to backdrop but that's mm. the heart of it we've had lots of women go and see the film and and just say they were totally blown away and surprised by by um you know that the wife was sort of a, a, such a huge character in it and and she's played brilliantly by by sally yeah when the, when the golf establishment turned on Morris, as we heard in that bit of the trailer there, he'd go out as other names. I mean, is it true he went out as Arnold Palm Tree? Uh, Gene Paychecki, were there a couple of the names he went with as well? Yeah, J- James Bojolly. Um, uh, what else was it? Count, Count Manfred von Hoptenstall. Well, I mean, it became more and more ridiculous. It, it, it started very serious. And Morris, because what happened was he, he didn't know what how good he had to be to play professionally and obviously when when the media cottoned on to what he's, he'd done there was this huge eddie the eagle style you know mm. open joker and all that sort of thing and morris was a bit embarrassed but what the rna did wrong really um was ban him from every from ever joining a golf club in the uk which which they've actually admitted now that the rna are much better now and they've said it was a bit harsh and so morris couldn't then join a club and he loved the game he was already addicted you know he loved the sport and 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 actually as people who knew him said if they hadn't have banned him he wouldn't have tried to go back to the open but the open was actually the only thing he could the only way he could play so he went in various pseudonyms and his wife gave him disguises and put moustaches on him and, and beards and wigs and and he he played another three times in I think it was in the open. But they kept finding him 
you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm slightly giving away the story now, although I'm not. It doesn't mm. really give it because there's 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 a lovely sort of second half of the film and and an ending that's very unexpected. But um, but yeah, that's what he did, and 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 um, uh, it's it's just an amazing story. The, the unexpected mm. ending is he doesn't win the open. I take it. I think we know that for a fact. It doesn't yeah. suddenly his game comes well, together. Yeah. Carnoustie. Yeah, that would be brilliant. <laughs> that, would, that would have been the Hollywood the Hollywood yeah. version. But weirdly yeah. enough, I, I did tinker with with making an ending like that, mm. and not to do Eddie the Eagle down. But Eddie the Eagle has a lot of stuff that is not true. Yeah. And this actually is more. The more we honed down on the story and, and got to the truth of it, the better it was, actually, because people go, wow, that really happened and that really happened. And there's lots of footage at the end that shows mm. you that it did happen and people are just amazed that, that it that it, uh, that it was all true. Yeah, no, that archive's great. Mm. I think that it, mm. you're right, it, it kind of reinforces the fact that it, that it is true. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I uh, should also have a quick word about Ghosts, which the third series has just finished. Uh, absolutely brilliant, I think. Really fun, and you're in it, and you write it, don't you? Co-write it. Yeah, I do with the rest of the gang that we met on doing. Um, we met doing um, horrible histories, um, and um, sorry, kids are kicking family. off. Yeah, it's about making a lot of noise. <laughs> when I said I've got a radio interview. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but yeah we, we just finished the fourth series actually um and so there's that to look forward to i expect that'll be out in in the autumn but we love it it's a great it's a great thing to do and and, and we're all really good friends actually and, and they all came to the phantom of the open premiere back in well, i think it was october so there's such a great support we all support each other in the other things we do as well which is great just going back to the movie on our breakfast show tomorrow um tony jacklin's on and he talks about playing in the open that Morris played in. Now they couldn't quite believe what was happening. Yes, it's it, it's funny. Uh, um, I spoke on uh, Five Live when because we wrote a book before this, mm. and um, uh, Mark, I think it was Mark Mooland or one of the one of the pros who was commentating on the British Open was on and and said, you know, I was there that day, and I can assure you, it wasn't amusing at all. Um, <laughs> Because he was slowing up the play. He hadn't got a clue what he was doing. The ball was flying everywhere. And I did say, look, I'm sure on the day it probably wasn't the best thing to happen. Although Jim Howard, who played with Morris, said he thought it was hilarious. On the day, you know, he thought mm. he thought he couldn't believe it. Um, and obviously, it, it, it's not... <laughs> I mean, even me as a golfer, if I was playing with someone who was that bad, I would be, I would be a little bit like, you know, just go in, mate. But, you know... <laughs> And time, time, time allows you to look back on things. You know what they say: tragedy plus time equals comedy. Mm. And so we can look back, and it's never happened since. That was the thing. I think the RNA were worried that it would happen every year, but no one's crazy enough to to try and go on a huge stage like that when they haven't got a clue what they're doing. So no one ever tried it again. But but I'd be interested to see what Tony Jackson thinks. He he um. Um, I'm sure he has a good sense of humour about it. I hope. <laughs> uh, good to talk to you, Simon. We wish you well with the film. Thanks very much. Great. Th thanks. Thanks for talking to me, fellas, and, and I appreciate that. Cheers. Uh, Simon Farnaby there, the actor mm. and uh, co-writer of uh, The Phantom of the Open film with Mark Rylance, Morris Flitcroft, uh, Flitcroft the world's worst golfer. 121, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, his score. That was his, yeah, yeah. It's Incredible. A, it's, it's a great story, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, go along with your cinema and see that. I'm sure it'll be available to to stream soon as well. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. I never thought I'd be saying this about Everton, and I'm sure our next guest 
it wasn't either, but a relegation six-pointer. Mm. Frank Lampard finds himself in at Turf Moor tonight. Um, and Sam Avery, we've chatted him a lot this season uh, as Everton have lurched from one crisis to another. Could this be the turning point or another nail in the coffin? Well, the thing is, they only need a draw. Yeah. Whereas Burnley have to win. Yeah, yeah, the way, that's the way it looks a pretty to me, decent anyway. summation. But Everton's away form, as I Whoa, saw a couple terrible. of weeks ago at, at, at the lane, not great. Um, so, sure, Sam is really buoyed by that intro. Uh, Sam Avery <laughs> joins us, comedian and Evertonian. Hi, Sam. Hi, lads. Thanks. <laughs> well, I, I said in the advantages with Everton because they've got a three-point lead. They've got two games in hand. Burnley just have to win the match, and you know, a draw will be good for Everton. Yeah, I mean, those games in hand for us, though, are just, they're not really something that we can look to as, as a positive because at the moment it feels like they're just another way to make our goal difference worse because <laughs> there's just been nothing nothing of positive notes to really take. I mean, I suppose the last performance was slightly better, but still, this team, they've, they've got the resilience of a bin bag. They just, <laughs> they just fall apart. As soon as you put too much in them, they just they, and they get a bit wet. There's a hole in there's bin juice everywhere. It's just... <laughs> it's a great analogy. But yeah, against City, they, they deserved a draw. They should have got a draw because of the penalty at the end. And they played really well. Yes, I, they did I, play one well against home. West Ham at the weekend as well. Yeah. You know, they did they did all right. I mean, they, they lost the game, but they, they did okay. Um, but, that you know, not getting, you know, playing all right and losing is, is not ideal, is it? Yeah, I think it's, the, when you do see those glimmers of, of a team that's got a little bit about them, they are, I mean, they are glimmers, and they have been real small glimmers this season. But that that almost makes it more annoying because the the, the two other Everton teams that I remember battling with relegation in the nineties were were, were were terrible teams, but they had players you could really kind of warm to and get behind because they gave their all and they left it all on the pitch. And this team doesn't seem to have a lot of that. It's just it's just a team of players who are on huge contracts and just don't seem to have any connection with the fans, which is really really it's really difficult and all. All my mates are like Liverpool fans and all my family, loads of them are Liverpool fans. Even they're not, they're not happy about this. They're just like, oh, do you know what? I don't really even want to give you any abuse because this is just really sad. Yeah, that's bad. I mean, I feel uh, sorry for you. Watching watching the game against Tottenham, I mean, the, in, in those early oh stages, God, they were poor. They were game. poor, but in that first sort of 20, 25 minutes where Tottenham, as they always do, stood off and let you have a lot of the ball and get a bit of confidence up. Um, Anthony Gordon, when he got on the ball, looked like he could threaten. Mm. He, he looks, the, I mean, he's a kid, but he's the go to player. He's the one who, he's like, give me the ball, I'll try and make something happen. Yeah, he's been one of the, the big bright spots of the season, to be honest. And it's not just the way he plays and the, the attack-minded approach he's got, but he's he's kind of like a leader on the pitch, which is something that we really lack. And and not like a leader who shouts and screams, but just someone who, who you know shows like the example that other people can, should be able to follow. And I think it's it's kind of worrying that we're putting a lot on him for the last mm. ten games of the season. That would you know certainly tonight. I'm hoping that if he gets the ball and sort of gets. Gets the tempo off. That's something that the other players can follow, really. As you said, like, it's just the little key moments that, that turn games. You know, the, a Wobi just, you know, switching off for a couple of seconds and yeah, West Ham score. Keane getting sent off, another sending off. They, all these little things are just eroding the, the sort of confidence. It's, it's, it's silly mistakes. Yeah, you can see on all the players, and, and certainly at home as well, as there's been a lot of that. When you get the ball, there's just a real lack of confidence and just passing to a teammate so like there was a game um it was the wolves game a couple of weeks ago that we ended up losing at home 
there was so many times when the defenders had the ball and there was there was midfield players on on for the pass, but it just required a, a slight level of confidence to be able to make that pass. But they just didn't have it, so they just passed around at the back and just it was just so pedestrian. It didn't go anywhere. And I think if you wanted to, you know, it's it's small baby steps, isn't it? With confidence, you've just got to get. Like a draw tonight would be like open top bus scenario for us. If we can get a draw tonight, it'd be really and you know any more than that is is absolute bonus. But yeah. it's just my my worry is that the level of fight that Burnley Burnley fans and the Burnley players have got is is just on a different level from what this team have shown so far. So as always, we're always in the position where we want to go. All right, well let's start now. Let's make this a turning point, like you say, and let's see what we can do. Um, the, the game at yeah. Chelsea just before Christmas, though, they came there, you know, they had a lot of injuries, a lot of COVID, so did Chelsea, but they, they had a lot of players missing, and they managed to eke out a point, and they really put a shift in that night, you know, made it incredibly difficult for Chelsea, and a bit of that tonight wouldn't go amiss, I don't think. That's it, just just backs against the wall, make it tight, two banks of four, I'd be happy with some of that, I mean, that's what Carlo did last year with a lot of the away victories that we got, it was just about setting up. We, you know, a lot of the time last season we were playing with four centre halves across the back, and it was really dull to watch. But we were getting a lot of one nil wins, a lot of you know, a few draws, and it, that's something that if you're looking for a starting point for for Frank to be, you know, closing things up at the back and just making us more difficult to beat. And then if you're looking at that, that's probably going to be enough if we can sort that out to get us, you know, through to the end of the season and, and stay in the Premier League, yeah. which is the least you would hope. And I mean, look, I know Keane has not been having his greatest season, but he's nominally an England centre half, and he'll be he'll be a miss tonight because you know what you're going to get from Burnley. They'll get it in early at Veg Horse, and there'll be people in and around him. Uh, it's going to be a tough night at their place. It always is. So, you know, it's a. You know, it's not the usual Burnley though. They they're not quite at it, but yeah. but you know, you're going to be shorn of of a bit of quality at the back. Oh yeah, but it's just even like thinking about Keane. It's like he, you know. I just Everton just feel like a TV show that should have been cancelled years ago. And you know, you, <laughs> you're watching it and you're still watching it. It's like The Walking Dead that started really well. And then you're watching God. it and you go, all these characters that you loved at the beginning, now you're just thinking, I'll just get bitten by the zombies and have it over with. And that's <laughs> kind of how you feel with a lot of these Everton players. And that's so sad. It's so sad. And it's it's like, honestly, it's heartbreaking as an Everton fan to be, to be looking at these players and going, obviously, I hope you win and I hope you stay up. But I don't like any of you other than Anthony Gordon and probably Jordan Pickford. Everyone else, you know, is dispensable. It's just, it's really, really sad. Yeah. I mean, you were expecting more from Delhi. I mean, he'll probably be on the bench again tonight. I don't know if he'll get involved, but I mean, I'd sign him Jordan. Such a strange it was, it, it was a, a strange bit of business. But, you know, you look at the player and you you can't blame Frank, blame Frank Lampard. I think, you know, maybe I can get a tune out of him because there is a player there, but it's just not happened so far, has it? Yeah, not so far. I mean, I think to be fair to him, he's 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 not the kind of player I think who comes into a situation like this and is going to shine. I think he needs a bit more of a a foundation to play play on, and you know his fitness is probably still kind of working up to that. But I mean, it was a little bit of a, a, a an unusual signing when we were crying out for the centre half and probably a centre midfielder as well. And instead, we get we get Delhi, who's you know potentially a great player, but probably a bit of a luxury at the moment when you look at the problems across the pitch. But I I've got faith he can he can do something at Everton. Um, but whether it'll be this season or, or next season, I don't know. <clears throat> uh, well, in, I, I'd say enjoy the game, but you probably won't. And, you know, if you win at the end of ninety minutes, that that will be the joy. But uh, it, yeah, good luck. Enjoy the match. <laughs> as much you as know you what? Can. I've got 
I've got a gig in Hull tonight. I'm doing a tour preview in Hull, so I'm going to actually miss the game. So never mind whether Everton can do it in Burnley on a wet Wednesday. Can I do it in Hull on a wet Wednesday night? <laughs> we'll find out both of these things tonight. You're going to have people in the audience giving you the score, aren't you? Either Probably, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Better, better than the normal heckles, I suppose. Uh, all of Sam's dates are at samaverycomedy.com forward slash shows. You can go and check out Fix the Fix the World podcast. I see you're wearing an Argentina shirt in the Fix the World podcast flyer. Uh, I've got it in front of me. <laughs> Is that's not Steve Hodges' four million quid one? I take it, is it? I think no, no, yeah. no. I'm going to be selling mine off for twenty-seven pound ninety-nine. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to go on the website, <laughs> thanks. All the best, Sam. Thanks, fellas. See you later. Mm, there we are, Sam Avery. There, uh, a comedian and concerned Evertonian, and um, yeah, it should be an interesting game. You'll be kept in touch with it from mm. um, uh, the, in, during. I think they've got more of a problem next season. You know, yeah. If they stay up, which I think they will stay up, but well, there's been a few stories that they're going to have to, you know, make a few cuts, sell a few players off, mm. uh, and one or and two that's maybe why I'm they don't want to sell. Yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. <clears> we'll <throat> do it all again tomorrow. And Andy, you will be popping up momentarily in the birthday spread. Won't yes, you? it's uh, it's come together reasonably well Good. after an Thanks early Thanks to the panic. Racing Post. Thanks to the Racing Post. Yeah. So we've got some funny material. Charlie Baker will be here. We've got four live races from. Uh, the first day of the of the Grand National Meeting at Aintree, and uh, another busy show. So do hope you can join us from one. If not, the podcast will be available, as always, from around four. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.